Over the 44 days we were on strike, Stellantis more than doubled the total value of the proposals they had on the table. At Stellantis, we not only secured a record contract, we have begun to turn the tide on the war on the American working class. And we truly are saving the American dream. That is UAW President Sean Fain uh, commenting on the Stellantis deal. But now we've got tentative deals for Ford, Stellantis, and General Motors. Merrick Masters, the professor of business at the Mike Illich School of Business at Wayne State University. And, of course, a labor expert joins us. Uh, Professor, good to have you on once again. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. You know, we talked about it last week after the GM deal, or the, excuse me, the Ford deal was announced, that it, it felt like it was just a matter of days before Stellantis and, and General Motors saw the deal and said, okay, well, that's the threshold where we got a match. How closely do you think all of these deals are to each other? Well, I would imagine on the major economic items and other matters of principle, they're very close language is similar, the economics in terms of wage increases and other significant developments regarding tiers and in progression are in alignment with each other. You know, I think it's it's interesting here, too, because even when we didn't quite know if the Ford deal was going to have uh, battery plant production uh, put put onto that deal, there does seem to be a pathway to battery plant workers joining the union down the road. What does something like that look like? Because if these workers initially won't be union, uh, what, what, what would that path look like? Well, I think you have to look at it as a gradual process in which first you have to hire in the workers. And they provided a provision for as many UAW workers to be hired into those positions as possible, our former workers. Second, you have to um, have a showing of sufficient interest to warrant majority status. This can be done through card check and or some other mechanism, perhaps a claim of majority recognition on the part of the members or if the if they hire in a majority of former UAW members, that may be another way of getting to that situation. And then um, the proposal can be made to the facility to the company to recognize the union voluntarily at this particular site and it will do so and then it would be just determined whether or not to cover it under the national master agreement to some extent that's already been done if they reach this uh, particular stage and if they're covered under the national agreement then it has to be determined whether or not they're actually going to be covered by the same pay scales or if they're going to be other adjustments because of the special nature of the facilities. Business professor Merrick Masters at Wayne State University, a labor expert, joins us. Um, you know, what else is interesting, too, and, and we're going to get into this coming up uh, at 235 a little bit more, but at that Ford announcement, Sean Fain said something that I, I thought was very interesting, and that was that this is going to be roughly a four-and-a-half-year deal. The deal is going to expire on April 30th, meaning the next day, May 1st, they will be without a contract. May 1st also happens to be May Day or Workers' Day or International Workers' Day, which commemorates the struggles of the labor movement. And he has been uh, almost 
uh, asking or, or borderline urging other unions around the country to link up their contracts with that day to show force uh, in the power of these unions. Do you think that this was um, that this was a plan all along in these in these negotiations or or in this particular stand up strike? But was that was that something that was premeditated, do you believe? Well, I think the desire to create linkages between the UAW and the broader labor movement and get the labor movement acting more as a team, so to speak, and contract expiration dates is one way of doing that, in which they could, in effect, implement a general strike. If all contracts or a large number of contracts across industries are due to expire at roughly the same time, you in effect have labor calling a general strike, but it's against specific companies for economic reasons. And that would enhance the overall power of labor. And I think they want labor to speak as one voice and act as one voice against uh, employers in the negotiating process so they can able, are able to extract maximum leverage. So I want to tap into your business expertise now because Toyota's global sales climbed 8.3% in the third quarter this year. That is some pretty significant numbers when you consider, obviously, the strike that was just going on between the UAW and the big three. What do we expect from the company's perspective as it pertains to building these cars, maybe the price tag? Are we going to see an uptick in prices? And what does this, what did this, particular strike uh, have to do with the overall landscape of autos across the country and across the world? Well, I would say in terms of your first question about the cost of vehicles, it's estimated that the labor costs could add up to about $900 per vehicle. Mm -hmm. It's a significant contract from the perspective of being lucrative. Uh, The Ford agreement estimates that it raise the price of the hourly worker, so to speak, from $65 an hour to about $88 an hour. Mm. Um, Overall, it's adding about $1.5 billion to Ford's labor costs per year. You can make up for that by reducing your expenses in other parts of the business, or you can absorb them in terms of uh, having less profits. Alternatively, you can raise prices. It'll be some combination of those things. But to your second point, which I think is the really critical one, is what does the landscape look like going forward for the companies? And it is a very turbulent, uncertain landscape. The path to electrical vehicles will be much more uneven and challenging than I think most people had estimated. I think part of the difficulty is that we accepted that the customer base would readily adapt to electrical vehicles in terms of their price, not only their sticker price, but also the cost of operating and maintaining them, which has not been the case. And it's going to be difficult for the companies to get profitable until they can get volume up. And that will take more time, perhaps, than they would have thought desirable. Nonetheless, they're in this transition, and they also have a more structural problem. And they, I think they've got to reimagine themselves as companies and become more technology and mobility-oriented companies because 
clearly the future cannot lie in expecting there's going to be tremendous growth in North America because the uh, realities are such that the, the growth in the industry is going to take place globally, and it's also going to involve broader aspects of the mobility equation, so to speak, so that companies that are more technologically savvy and able to adapt and nimble in that regard are going to be more successful. And I think that's the way they have to reimagine themselves and plus have a larger global footprint. Merrick Masters with Wayne State University. Thank you uh, again for your time. We appreciate talking with you. Well, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Yep, you got it. We'll talk again soon. Merrick Masters at Wayne State. In the meantime, I thought Sean Fain said something very interesting at the at his press conference last night about the Ford deal. And it pertains to how long this deal is going to last and potentially reaching out to other unions to match up their deals with the UAW in a show of force for the middle class. We'll talk about that next right here on JR Afternoon. Don't go anywhere.